In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello, this is Kimberly Lewis. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders, the program that makes people aware of the best leadership practices. And I'm very passionate about good leadership. And that is why I'll be joining you each week with international leadership experts from around the world. Now, in my 20 years management experience of over 18 countries, I've learned the biggest asset of a company is its people. And people need good leadership. And each of our shows will be covering some aspect of leadership, focusing on how we all can become better leaders. We are doing this because good leadership is not easy to come by in a global economy that is constantly changing. Managing a dynamic, diverse workforce that is affected by changing social, political, and regulatory norms poses a challenge even to the best leaders. In this series, we'll talk about the impact constant change has had on our organizations and examine the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. We'll talk about everything from gender balance in leadership to generational and cultural business values that may impact your organization and your individual career. We want to provoke you and make you think. If you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we will make sure that you take away something useful, either for yourself or your business. Now, in today's episode, we're going to get right to the heart of the matter and talk about what good leadership is. When you ask the average person on the street to name a few great leaders in this century, generally the answers you get are filled with examples of political leaders because political leaders are generally in the forefront. But when they, you ask them to name a few great business leaders, the average person normally has to think a little bit about this. Eventually, some of the names that may service are Steve Jobs from Apple, Jeff Bezos from Amazon, and also maybe names like Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook, because his combination of passion, product, and purpose did bring good leadership. But also names as Marissa Meyer come to surface when we talk about controversial leadership styles. And that brings us to the question of what is good leadership today? And how do we define great leadership today? I think a lot of us struggle because we've always defined great leadership based on the successes of the past. And we seldom think about how great leadership will look in the future. I speak to a lot of leaders and many of them are feeling overwhelmed and unprepared for our rapidly changing economy and the constant new demands. They are feeling unsure if they have the right skills to deal with the global economy co complicated by changing political climates. They do not know how protectionism actions like the Brexit or the new US policies will affect how they do business. They're confused because they are working with four different generations in the workforce for the first time ever. They are also confused 
when faced with today's organizational structures. Hierarchical organization models have disappeared and agile models have taken their place. And when it comes to the end customer, consumer behavior is changing and thus changing their company's business models, forcing them to become flexible visionaries. In this episode, we will discuss what the future of good leadership looks like. We'll talk about the competencies leaders need going forward. And our guest today is the head of one of the leading management institutes in Europe. Joining us from London today is Anne Franca. Anne, welcome to our show. Thank you, Kimberly. So Anne Franca is the CEO of the Chartered Management Institute in London. She's the winner of the Lewis Armstrong Award for Outstanding Leadership of a UK Professional Body in 2016. And she is the author of the Financial Times Guide to Management, How to Make a Difference and Get Results. Anne is a transformational leader with vision, pace, and proven ability to deliver profitable growth and build organizational capacity. At Chartered Management Institute, she uses her experience in leading organizations to promote best practices in management and leadership and improve management standards across the United Kingdom and beyond. Anne was named to the top 100 women to watch in the 2015 female FITSE report from Cranfield and is an expert on current challenges facing women in the workplace. So, Anne, let me let's start out. Um, do you have any leadership heroes? <laughs> well, it's it's funny. We've asked that question of our members, and um, um, unfortunately, uh, the, the a lot of the heroes they named are no longer with us. Uh, but if I look at people I admire in leadership, uh, you you mentioned uh, Mark Zuckerberg, but actually, I admire uh, uh, Sheryl Sandberg. Uh, I think I think she's somebody that that has used her position uh, to advocate not only for herself but for um, you know many many others, in particular women. Mm-hmm. So how, what what do you think that Cheryl's doing that that shows us good leadership? Well, um, you know, I know that that uh, one of your questions is what do I think the characteristics of good leaders are today? And I think Cheryl has all three of these in spades. Uh, the first is you need to be agile. You need to embrace change because it's all around us all the time. Uh, the second is you need to be authentic. And I define authenticity as a combination of being able to build trust, so getting others to trust you, and also being transparent. That's also how you build trust, sharing about uh, with others what you really think. And the third trait, which uh, uh, I think uh, she has in, in very uh, – much of and has recently been put to the test with the sudden loss of her husband is resilience. So you really do need to be able to bounce back and to overcome the inevitable setbacks and obstacles uh, professionally and personally. So I think those are three good traits that Cheryl exemplifies. Yeah. Well, let's talk about being agile for a minute. Um, the leaders that that I see, they they have some difficulty with this, because you know what what do we consider agile? Is it flexibility? Um, we're seeing a lot of companies, especially with private equity and companies like that. You know, things are are goals are given, targets are given, and flexibility. A lot of room is not always given. So, how do leaders become agile? Well, if you think about it, and and we know this from from our work, 97% of uh, uh, 
people uh, that are in a managerial position are in organizations that experience change every year. So that's basically everybody. So if you're constantly experiencing change, change is the only constant. So you need to get out in front of that. And most of us fear change. What we need to learn how to do is embrace it because we are in a constant state of change. And agility is the ability to get out in front of change, to anticipate it, to realign and respond to changes rather than to entrench or stick your head in the stand, sand or, you know, resist, which is what, unfortunately, most managers uh, uh, and leaders still do. So that's one very important aspect of agility. The second very important aspect of agility is the ability to respond to feedback. So if you do something as a leader or a manager and it doesn't work, don't keep going and pretend everything's fine. Um, say, gee, that isn't quite ha- going how I intended, so let me pause, reflect, reevaluate, and make the appropriate change. So responding to feedback and being able to get out in front and anticipate change are the two key characteristics of, of agility. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to come to the feedback because a lot of the a lot of the managers that I work with, when it comes to feedback, see that immediately as criticism, and that does not allow them to respond to change as quickly and be to open to it. What are you seeing? Well, I think feedback is the ability to be clear with people, and feedback should be positive um, as well as negative. I think people require to, to be effective. They need clarity and they need to know how wh- what they're doing, their work and their behaviors contributes to the overall goal and objective of the company that they're in or the organization they work for. And so feedback helps them to do that. So that can be everything from having one-to-ones with the people who work for you, which is very important, and far too few managers do that, to um, pointing out a misstep, you know, but you don't have to be overwhelmingly negative. You can just say, hey, let's reflect on that meeting. How do you think you handled that? Do you think that was the most effective? What could you have done differently to make it better? That's a way of getting the individual to take responsibility and accountability for how they handle the situation rather than saying, boy, you really blew that meeting, which obviously shuts things down and the individual won't understand what they did wrong and what they need to do differently and better next time. Do you, do you think that, that leaders today are, are giving enough positive feedback in the workplace? Uh, I don't see no. a lot of that. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right. in a word. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, there's, um, well, there's, there's evidence of that. So we all know that uh, development, so personal development programs that emphasize the negative rather than grow the positive are far less effective. So when you lead from people's strengths, you're much more likely to get higher engagement and higher productivity than you are forever trying to get them to address their weaknesses. So the best leaders will recognize what are the strengths of the people that they're leading and then, you know, what, what, uh, how do they complement each other? And you use your different team members to offset uh, and complement strengths so that you have the full range you need to get the job done. 
So when you're talking about development, let me ask you, what, what are you seeing? What are some of the leadership trends that you're seeing in or, the organizations that you work with today? Well, a lot of this is what we see, and you know, not all of this, not all of it, unfortunately, is positive. But we just did a a, a piece of work here that showed that there's there's a real breakdown of trust between a lot of managers and leaders. So, uh, for example, uh, overall, only thirty six percent of managers trusted their leaders fully, and that's pretty low. Of course, there's also a correlation between trust and growth. So in growing organizations that were thriving, that trust level was about 70%. But in organizations that were declining, that trust level was very low. It's 15%. So unfortunately, one current trend is people don't trust their leaders. Mm-hmm. And there's another statistic that says 45% of today's leaders feel unprepared to do their jobs. And that relates a little bit to this trust. Um, what do you think about this figure? Well, I think that also reflects another trend we see, which is what we call the accidental manager, uh, which is what happens is people are promoted on the basis of functional competence. So you may be a great salesperson or finance person or IT person. And so suddenly, because you're functionally very good, somebody taps you on the shoulder and says, congratulations, Kimberly, you're now running the department. Good Mm -hmm. luck with that. And they give you no training in how to lead and manage people. Mm -hmm. And so not surprisingly, most people put in that position don't really know what to do and they mess it up. Mm -hmm. So that's the accidental manager syndrome. And unfortunately, that's still far too widespread. And and is that the gap? That's the gap um, that we're seeing between the competencies and the um, actually doing the job. What What are you seeing in that gap? Well, we see that, see, what, what people, there used to be the belief that, you know, great leaders are, are born, not made. And that's not true. Leadership behaviors and skills and manage, good management behaviors and skills can be learned. We know this because we do that at CMI. We, we charter managers and we see how their uh, management skills and their impact on people and organizations improves dramatically. So, it's important that you recognize that you can learn these skills. It's like how to give feedback, how to be clear, um, how to make sure that you are building trust with the people that work for you. Those sorts of skills are things that you can learn, you can practice, and you can get better at. Mm-hmm. And so you you believe that leaders can be made. That I, I guess they, I do see a few leaders out there that actually have this this natural leadership ability, but most of us most of us learn it by doing and learn it by training. And that's what you're saying that you can yes. learn leadership. Okay. So at that, what what are the leaders that come to you? Uh, what are they asking for? What kind of well, training are they asking for? Well, the number one thing on the list is the thing that we talked about uh, that we o- that you opened with, which is about um, how to be agile. Because one of the big concerns for leaders is there's so much uncertainty and so much change, and they're not sure how to handle it. And it does challenge the old way of doing things. So that old, very hierarchical bureaucracy or bureaucratic way of doing things is very, very difficult in a world where communication is instantaneous in a world where, you know, a, a, a tweet can can totally change the direction and there is no such thing as 
um, you know, keeping things under wraps because everything is out there globally in in a nanosecond with the rise of the internet and social media. So uh, there, there's a lot of, of stress being put on the old way of doing business where you had lots of layers and you had committee after committee and you could take your time making a decision. Yeah. Now it's got to be instant. And that means you have to devolve authority and accountability throughout the organization. You can't, con- you can't sit on things and control them. Well, I think I'm going to come back to that. We're going to we're going to take a small break in a moment, Anne, and I'm going to come to back to that because uh, the layers and layers you're talking about, organizational structure is is playing a big role in what we're doing today. So we're going to take a small break, and when we come back, I'd like to look at some of the structural changes that are forcing different kinds of leadership styles, such as flexible workforces, collective leadership, organizational structures. Now, to our listeners, um, we'd like to hear from you. We'd like to have your comments and questions, and you can reach me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com, and you can reach Anne at cmi at managers.org.uk. And we'll see you, our listeners, we'll be back here in a few minutes after the break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support you. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders, the Voice of America's exciting new series on the Business Network. In this series, we look at the future of leadership in today's constantly changing global economy. I'm your host, Kimberly Lewis, a seasoned executive and leadership expert. And today we are talking with Anne Franca, CEO of the Chartered Management Institute in London. We're talking about how do we define great leadership today and what kinds of forces may be changing that definition and how will great leadership look in the future? So, Anne, I'd like to I'd like to come back. You talked about layers and layers of organization before we had the break. And I'd like to talk a little bit about organizational structure. And today's organizational structures are quite different than they were in the past. They're not as hierarchical. Um, they, to use the word agile, they're more uh, agile. But you actually have to be resilient to be a leader in these kind of organizational structures. So could you talk to me a little bit about what you think about the organizational structures and how they are affecting leadership? Mm -hmm. Well, unfortunately, I think many organizational structures are still too bureaucratic and uh, they are not as responsive to change as they need to be. And and you can see that. You can see um, some of the big global companies actually disappearing. So, for example, if you look at the FTSE 100 in the UK, the 100 biggest companies, um, if you go back 10 years, about um, 30% of them are just no longer here. And if you look at the biggest companies in the world and you, you go back maybe 30 years, many of them weren't there at all. So the Amazons, the Googles, the Facebooks, and they're getting displaced by these massive technology firms who are much more agile and who have much faster decision-making processes. So I really do think that this is a, um, a, a very real concern for a lot of companies that unless they can become less bureaucratic and more devolved in their decision-making, it becomes an existential thing for them. They may not survive. Now, what are some of the characteristics that of, of things that do work? One is, you've mentioned, companies need to allow their, their workforces to fit their lives around their work. And with technology and with today's knowledge economy, so for example, the UK is a big knowledge economy. Most people work in services that are not in manufacturing anymore, and they can work flexibly. They don't need to go to the office. Why do we still have offices? You can work anywhere. And if you allow your workforce to work anywhere and fit their work around their other responsibilities, whether that's looking after children or caring for, for older relatives, they will be more productive. And studies show that you actually get a 12% productivity boost when you allow people to work flexibly. So I really don't understand when, you know, you get managers, you mentioned Marissa Meyer, when she said nobody at Yahoo can work flexibly anymore. You've all got to come into the office. What was that about? That was a huge step backwards for her. And it really undermined people's trust in her. So that's one thing that is very important is to allow flexible, agile working for your employees. Well, uh, even though I, I 
don't 100% agree with what Meyer did, I do see the challenges. And one of the challenges I see in this flexible workforce is that today we have a generation, whether you're the millenniums or Generation Z, we have a generation that probably will never set foot in an office. And that comes with challenges. How do you bring the work ethic and teach these millenniums to 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 deliver, okay, and and what they're delivering. Because we we in our generation, we had our first jobs. We grew up. We went nine to five. We then probably migrated into other jobs. But there was a certain set of standards that we learned. And today, everything is virtual. Um, how do we get that productivity from this generation? Yeah. It's a very good question, and it's one of the key things we do at CMI, where we partner with over 100 universities, and we help them prepare their students for these employability challenges. Uh, because, as I said earlier, management skills and behaviors can be learned, and uh, we've, we've done a big survey with, with the Y Foundation looking at 1,500 young people, and we know um, that those young people do want to lead and manage teams. They tell us that. So I think uh, 60% said they'd want to manage a team. Uh, over 40% are saying they want to uh, be uh, found their own company or be the head of a company. So there's a lot of ambition there. But what they're not learning and what we need to help them with are the key skills that employers want. And those key skills, the number one skill is actually communication. So we need to help young people learn how to be communicative and communicate clearly. The other skills that employers want are the ability to motivate a team. That's a very important characteristic that you can help people learn. And finally, the, the, the uh, last thing on, on the list for the younger generation to learn is uh, basically the, the problem-solving skills that uh, enable them to uh, motivate others and move forward. Now, how do you, how do you uh, help people learn these things? Well, one of the underlying issues about young people is they don't have the confidence. They lack that confidence to be able to do these things. And they don't know what good looks like because, to your earlier point, nobody has trained them. Nobody's shown them. So I think we do need to address this by hardwiring these employability skills into schools and indeed into universities. We do that at CMI. I think it should be done everywhere. In fact, interestingly, Kimberly, I was just reading a New York Times article that, that's very popular that's saying professors are getting fed up with the informality of students because they're, they're talking to their professors using first names and text language. Yes. Well, you know, yep. those people, it's not that those people are being deliberately rude. It's just that nobody's actually sat them down and say, hey, you know, actually, that's maybe not the best way to get this done and communicate. And here are certain standards that you should observe. So yep. I think it's... It's, it's that kind of, you know, fundamental employability skills that we've seemed to have forgotten about and the, new, the, the next generation has never had exposure to that we, we need to help them with. But as a leader now, I'm helping the millenniums try to learn these skills. But I'm challenged with the fact that you're right, communication is really big. They only text. Um, they'll send it 
text messages to each other when they're sitting next to each other, okay? They're not talking. So now I'm leading this workforce, okay, as a leader today. How am I going to teach them the skills? Um, are you seeing, what are you seeing? Well, I, I think one of the things is just to be open and say, hey, you know, so we were talking about feedback as being agile. Millennials love feedback. They thrive on feedback. So tell them, you know, not in a, a nasty way, but just say, uh, you know, Anne, sorry, but like if you're trying to communicate a point to somebody, it might be an idea um, to talk to them if you're sitting next to them rather than sending them a Slack message or, you know, rather than texting them. So face-to-face communication is very important and it will help you be more effective. Maybe you're just not confident in doing that. So let's practice. What is it, you know, what is it that you wanted to say? Let's let's have a session now where you play that back to me and we'll see how you do. So it's about practicing it. I often tell people before they're having a difficult conversation, practice in front of a mirror, right? Just just that that simple notion of standing in front of the mirror thinking about what are the three points that I want to say when I have to address this person and you know, watching yourself do it can be an enormously helpful thing. So Mm -hmm. none of this is difficult. None of it is rocket science. Young people often just are afraid to ask or they lack the confidence or nobody has sat them down and actually communicated to them why it's important. So that's, that's what we need to do. Yeah, basically what we're saying is we really need to help them with training. And I I see that with a lot of the companies I work for. We do a lot of role plays um, with millenniums back and forth. And and they're quite receptive to it. That I do have to say. They're quite receptive to it and thankful. Um, Sometimes it pushes them out of their comfort zone because their comfort zone is texting. But I think this is what we need to do. And I know you're doing that at um, the Chartered Management Institute. And we're doing that here in our company. And it seems to work. Um, are you working actually directly with the millenniums? Yes, we work with, uh, well, we have over 20,000 students we work with and they oh. all fall into your definition of the millennial generation. And and we help them uh, to gain these skills and they are deeply appreciative because it, uh, you know, I've spoken with a lot of them and like you say, they are very appreciative. They love the feedback. They do love the training and they do want to learn and progress. So, so it's helping them to do that equally. I think that there's a lot the older generations can learn from millennials. And so I think I'm a big fan of reverse mentoring. Uh, And I think on things like diversity, which millennials excel at in their mindsets, they're just very inclusive. So mentoring older, older generation to help them to think about more inclusive leadership, I think is a great thing. And also to help the older generation to embrace technology more. So it works both ways. You know, we can help the millennial generation equally. The millennials can help us. Yeah, well, we are we are a leadership leaders now that are the first time ever working with four generations in one workforce. Okay, and that that's quite amazing. So we're dealing with the baby boomers as we're dealing with the millennials, and as a leader, how do I balance that? Well, working with different generations is actually a great opportunity for leaders to develop their own skills 
because what you've got to do in that situation is go out, go find the various strengths that different generations and different people bring and get the best out of all of them. Because if you do that, you'll obviously maximize the productivity and the impact that you'll get in your organization. And one of the things I recommend when you're working across generations is to do what what, what we like to call teams on the diagonal, which means that if you have a problem to solve, maybe it's a company-wide problem, instead of just the usual, you know, doing teams by functional area of expertise, why not pull a team together that cuts across each generation? So have people from all four generations on that team and pull people from various parts of the company and get them to work together to solve that problem. I guarantee they will learn from each other and you'll probably get a better solution. So you're probably working with the different generations yourself in your institute. Of course. Yeah. And what do you do? We do that all the time. And in fact, one of the projects that we just did with a cross-generational diagonal team was create a new intranet. So CMI needed a new intranet, you know, a, a place for employees to communicate with each other. And that team, within three months, designed a, a wonderful intranet that everybody in the company loves and is happy to use. And, and, and it's a great example of how throwing people together from different parts of the business and different generations can produce an excellent result. Mm-hmm, great. And so everybody's using it then. All generations are using it. Yes. It was okay. one of the, it had one of the fastest take-ups of any new thing we've launched. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that, you know, the last thing I'd like to talk to you about, and I think we're going to take a small break here, um, is going to talk about virtual management when we get back. And when we get back, I'd like to also give our listeners a few takeaways on how they can really improve their leadership skills. So we're going to take a break right now. And for our listeners, please contact us with your questions and your comments at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. And you can also contact Anne at cmi at managers.org.uk. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Trends in global business are changing all the time. It used to only be 
be worried about your competitor across the street, but now that competitor may be across the world. On Global Business with Mahesh Joshi, we discuss the trends in global business, plus issues and solutions that business leaders face today. Each show is guaranteed to teach you something that you didn't know before about global business. Listen live every Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders, the Voice America's exciting new series on the Business Network. In this series, we look at the future of leadership in today's constantly changing global economy. I'm Kimberly Lewis, and I'm a seasoned executive and diversity leadership expert, and today we're talking about what great leadership will look like in the future. Today, we're talking with Anne Franca, the head of the Chartered Management Institute in London, about what great leadership looks like today and what kind of leadership we need to meet the requirements of tomorrow. And Anne, in this segment, I'd like to... Just follow up a little bit what you said before. Um, we're talking about the generational differences and the leaders leading generational differences, but it's not just about generational differences. We're also dealing with virtual leadership today. Okay, how do you deal with that? Well, it isn't just virtual leadership, as you point out. It's also multicultural leadership. So lots of people are leading virtual teams across the world in different time zones that they've never met. Um, so here's some advice from, from me on that. Firstly, if you can get a virtual team together in a face-to-face situation, it's a very good thing. So I would advise that if your budgets allow for it, Get everybody together and let them meet each other. That may not be possible very frequently, but even if you do it, you know, once a year, it it can often be worth that investment because you're building that trust. Secondly, if you're leading a team across time zones, be aware of the time zones. There's nothing more uh, frustrating than somebody who's leading a multicultural team and a multi-time zone team setting a time to meet that is somebody's three o'clock in the morning. That typically means if you're, you know, if you're, say, in, in Europe, uh, you have to choose middle of the day times because for, for people in Asia, that's already um, late at night. And for people in America, it's already very early in the morning. Um, but it's about respecting time zones. And thirdly, set some ground rules. So if you are leading a conference call then or a, a, a virtual team, make that first meeting about your team charter. So what are those ground rules? Uh, they could be things like 
if you are on a conference call, don't do the conference call in a noisy area. Or if you are in a noisy area, mute yourself so that nobody else hears your barking dog or your crying baby or the motorway. So, you know, those are those are ground rules. If you're in the meeting and you're not needed for the whole meeting, allow people to dip out of meetings because there is nothing worse than when people switch off and you hear them on their keyboards tapping away. And if you are leading a multicultural team, remember so many people on that team do not have English as their native language. So speak slowly and clearly. I can't tell you the number of meetings I have attended virtually where somebody is speaking with a very colloquial accent very rapidly and people cannot understand what they are saying. So those are just a a few of the simple things you can do to have much more effective meetings. You can include other things like send materials beforehand, you know, make sure that you have rules about everybody participating. But the main point is don't leave it to chance. Have a meeting charter and discuss it with your people what you expect from them. And I guarantee you will have more effective meetings. There is one question I have for you because it wasn't when you when you talked about the three attributes and you talked about being agile, um, um, authentic. authentic, okay, mm-hmm. and authenticity. The question I have is we're talking about cultural differences, and not everybody, not every leader has that exposure to cultural differences. How how do we learn those cultural differences? Well, I think you have to take advantage of every chance you get. So, for example, uh, let's take students in the UK. Students in the UK have very multicultural classrooms with people from all over the world. Business schools have people from all over the world attending them. That is a great learning lab. If you live in a city, you likely have people from all sorts of cultures living in that city. Certainly London is one of the most multicultural places in the world. And so you can actually learn people's habits and just be an observer of that human nature. So I ride the tube every day. I can tell you people from Mediterranean cultures, Spain and Italy, are gabbing away. You know, there's never a pause between words. People from a British culture will be sat quietly saying nothing. Um, You know, most people are staring at their phones these days. Uh, But I think it's about learning from the world around you, firstly. If you can't learn from that, well then, you know, use the internet. And if you're working with different cultures, just do a bit of research on how people like to take feedback, for example, or how they might express themselves. People from Asian cultures are very reticent to challenge authority, and they're very ready to agree with you because that kind of face-saving consensus is important to them. So if you're aware of that up front, you will know not to expect your Asian colleagues to challenge on the call. They won't do that. So you have to actually circle back and make sure that they're on board with what you're proposing. It's, a, it's, it's doing that homework, being aware, and taking advantage if you are in a city or a school of the world around you to make sure that you're incorporating cultural sensitivity. So really what we have to say to our leaders today is regardless regardless if you're sitting in Des Moines, Iowa, London, UK, 
Dusseldorf, Germany, wherever you're sitting, you really need to prepare yourself because today we have a global economy and we're going to have diversity in every workplace, no matter if it's in the United States or if it's in the UK. And we as leaders have to be prepared. And I do see that quite a bit um, in some companies that I work with, companies that are US companies who want to start to do business in Europe. Very often, they're quite surprised and they think Europe is one place when Europe is a lot of different cultures and a lot of different nationalities and a, a lot of different countries. So, I think the message to our leaders is prepare yourself because we're not going backwards. We're going forward and things are going to get more and more global as we go forward. And with that said, and I'd like, I'd like you to, to help us with some action steps. Okay. We're, we have a lot of leaders listening up here. Um, if you were to take three things that you think are the most important things that we as leaders have to do today, to prepare ourselves to the future, what are they? Mm -hmm. Well, I'll go back to uh, the themes I touched on at the beginning, um, but I'll try to bring the behaviors into it. So I mentioned uh, the need to be agile, the need to be authentic, and the need to be resilient. And I still think that anybody in a managing and leading position, and by the way, you know, you don't have to be the CEO of a company to be a leader. The moment you lead a team, the moment you're responsible for somebody else, you are both a leader and a manager of that team. So this applies to you as well, even if you're just starting out. So the first thing is about being agile. Recognize, as I said, 97% of organizations are going to change in a given year. So learn how to manage change. Learn how to lead people through managing change. And the number one thing that you can do is is to communicate and be clear about that change with people. Don't expect them to understand that innately. You have to communicate that clearly to them. Do you have an example of that? Do you have an example of a company that has a really good example of change? Well, we actually, one of our most uh, read insights emails is the five best examples of change management. I think it's been downloaded all over the world over a million times because people are so concerned about how to manage change. And so if you go to um, our, our website, um, which is CMI, um, uh, well, managers.org.uk is, is the chart. CMI is the acronym. You can uh, search that and it will come up and it has the five best examples of change management. And one of them is actually a company here. It's a FTSE 100 company. It's run by somebody who used to work for me. I'm very proud of him. His name is Paul Geddes. He's a young CEO and he led the direct line company, through an incredible amount of change. He did that in wonderfully well. And his number one thing that he did was communicate to people. Also the bad news, if people were going to lose their jobs, he didn't fudge it. He said, you know, this is going to be hard. I'm going to have to lose some people, but I'm not going to hide that from you. I'm going to share it with you and give you the opportunity to be retrained. It is a, a wonderful example of change management. It's also the cover story on our professional manager magazine and again you can get that material for free from our website so that would be a very good example you can also download the email with the five best examples of change management 
Super. And now the other two action steps? Right. So the, the, the action step uh, number two was learn to be authentic. And that is the, the, the biggest things you can do there. And again, this comes from our study about what managers want from their leaders is share your thinking. So that's be transparent and also admit to your mistakes. That will help you build trust. People no longer want their leaders to be inscrutable, distant, and perfect. They want to know what you are thinking, and they want to know that you are human, and you too make mistakes. So last night we had our president's dinner, and we gave our gold medal to Charlie Mayfield, Sir Charlie Mayfield, who runs John Lewis, which is an amazingly successful employee-owned retailer here in the UK. And his advice to all of our assembled guests last night was, you know, actually have a little bit of self-doubt as a leader and admit to your mistakes and actually do care about sharing your thinking with your employees. And those are very important things. Your employees cannot read your mind. They do not know what you are thinking unless you sit down and you share it with them. And building that trust, being authentic is very important. And so why, just on, on the president's dinner last night, why did he receive this award? What did he do different as a leader? Well, he does all of these. Uh, uh, well, he does the three things that we look for in great, in, in, in great leaders that I was saying that Sheryl Sandberg also did. Um, you know, he's, John Lewis is, has proven to be very agile, so they're thriving in the Internet age. And the reason they're doing that is they're getting out in front of change. They're not trying to resist that internet age. They are a multi-channel retailer and they've embraced that and they've built a very strong bricks and mortar as well as digital presence. And they're constantly, you know, they're using a time of heightened uh, sales and profits to actually reduce the dividend they pay their employees. They're actually an employee-owned company because they know they've got tough times ahead and they need to get out in front of change. So they are really trying to be agile. He and everybody in the business is a very authentic leader. So he's very transparent. He inspires trust. When he makes a mistake, he admits it. You know, he shares what he is thinking. So they, they have very, very clear communication. And he's also resilient. So, you know, it, it actually, this is the third attribute. So 95% of us at CMI, we've done that research, are going to fail in our careers at some times. I failed multiple times. And, you know, that can mean getting fired or being, being made redundant or messing up a key project. You know, that's going to happen during your career. So rather than be afraid of it, learn how to bounce back. There's nothing worse than feel a fa fear of failure. It actually stifles innovation. So don't be afraid to fail. That's key for being resilient. Just accept you will fail. It's how you learn from it that matters. Yes. Uh, what can, can I ask you what the biggest failure you ever had was? Oh, which one? I've had so <laughs> many. Um, you know, I think... Now, I think really, honestly, um, it's, it's, it's about uh, taking a role where your personal values just don't fit mm -hmm. with the values that you're being asked to model or, or live professionally. And in that situation, you have to eventually, what happened to me is, you know, I had to quit. I had to say, this isn't for me. And I had to say, I'm sorry, this will not work. And I and basically, I had to, you know, get get in a situation where we both, my employer and I, agreed it's time for me to go. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, that's a failure. I had never had that situation before <clears throat> for the first time in my career. Um, you know, it was, it was, I'd had a very successful career. It was about 15, 16 years, 17 years into my very successful career. I took it very much to heart, but then I realized, no, I really learned from that. I learned that if you're in a situation where your personal and professional values really don't match, uh, you know, with the company that you're in, you do need to take that step and move on. You know, you'll survive and thrive. I did. So it, it may take time, but you will. You will bounce back. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. And um, i just like to ask you about the third attribute. Well, that was, so that this was, my third attribute was about learning how to fail and bouncing back. Right. Okay. So it's about it's a you're going to fail. And Mm -hmm. and by the way, careers are long and winding roads. They are not linear. So you know we all, especially young people, where the job for life you know will never happen. So it's about developing your own personal resistant resilience. Sorry, and realizing that your own career path is going to have many twists and turns, Mm -hmm. and that's okay. Yeah. Well, I think that's 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 something that we all face, and we all know that we have a lot of twists and turns. And um, I've been through the same path, done the same thing, and at that. And I'd really like to thank you for these last tips today, and thank you for being with us and joining us from London. And for our listeners, if you're interested in getting in touch with Anne, you can reach her at cmi at managers.org.uk. And thank you, Anne. Thank you, Kimberly, and thanks for listening. And uh, this is Kimberly Lewis, leadership expert and diversity expert. And what we've heard today is it's not easy being a leader today. And yes, some people are born with natural leadership skills. But as Anne said, leaders can be made. But you, as a leader, have to take your own steps and form your own future. We've heard some of the attributes Anne talked about. But these attributes are also based on behaviors, such as being open, learning excellent communication skills, learning to be flexible exercising good decision-making skills, being visionary and determined. So with that, I'd like to talk a little bit about trust. And Anne mentioned on trust. And trust for me as a leader is very, very important. But trust must be earned. And trust means different things to different people. So how do leaders create an environment of trust? In our next episode, we're going to talk about trust. And we'll be talking with Mr. John Blakely, the author of The Trusted Executive. John was named as one of the top thought leaders globally on organizational trust at the Trust Across America Awards in 2016. So please join us next week. Leadership Beyond Borders is a program sponsored by Global Business Therapy and the Women's Leadership Academy 2020. We provide you with leadership training, specialized leadership training for women, systemic team coaching, motivational speaking, and much more. Please reach out to me at leadershipbeyondborders.com at gmail.com. This is Kimberly Lewis, and have a great day. The word today is agile. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.